Liz Truss decided to move the UK embassy to Jerusalem. There's a photo of her and Lapid looking like newlyweds. Facebook and Instagram showed bias against Palestinians. We know that. We were censored. <laughs> yeah, it was us. <laughs> the call is coming from inside the Zoom. <laughs> Chilean president. He stood before the UN, called on the world to defend Palestinian human rights. He canceled the credentials ceremony for an Israeli ambassador. Foreign ministry summoned their Chilean ambassador for what it called a reprimand. Yeah, they gave him a little spanking. Every week we get together, there's a new article about Sharina Bakla. There's a new state, there's a new body finding that it was deliberate murder. And it's like, we've been saying it was murder. The EU has dropped its call for an independent investigation. Investigation. Apparently, the EU countries are satisfied. Why don't you just believe the lies? <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes, an additional one to two podcasts per week, including our latest podcast, the Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Gazan Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram. And you can call me Mikey Intifada if you're upset that Lizzie never visited the occupation, but it's because your terrorist blew up her building. Oh, right. That, well, she was alive for the King David <laughs> bombing, you know, so yeah, I mean, they were they were also murdering British soldiers. So it was, you know, yeah, she probably took that personally. She didn't want to let that slide, <laughs> as the kids are saying. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense, right? I would hold a grudge if you tried to blow up my, you know, property. And I'm, they did. And man. that's why you do. Yeah, that's that's why we're upset. That's, that's why we do the podcast. Yeah, because they blow stuff up and we know the people in the buildings and we're upset about it. Oh, man. Pretty, pretty common thread that we share with the former Queen of England. Incidentally, I did not think I had anything in common with her. As it turns out, I do. You guys are so. practically sisters. Twinsies. <laughs> Okay, we're talking about Liz Truss. As I don't trust her at all, actually. <laughs> Prime Minister Liz Truss has decided that she would like to move the UK embassy to Jerusalem. One of her first moves as a prime minister, really just showcasing herself as very, you know, strong on apartheid political figure. Yeah, there's a photo of them and her and Yair Lapid looking like newlyweds. So true. <laughs> They're just like, we're about to elope to a damn illegal settlement. Like, I reminds me of when now Mayor Eric Adams of New York said that he wants to retire 
in the Golan Heights. He's like, you know what the <laughs> the best place to retire would be is like uh, an occupied part of Syria. Just like, just like, just that's what I. Most people they think like Florida. No, thank you. Before she was elected as the UK's latest leader, uh, she wrote in a letter to the quote-unquote conservative friends of Israel that she was considering the embassy transfer, adding that she understood the quote-unquote importance and sensitivity over the location. I don't even know what that means. That's just words. That's just word salad. Like, yeah, it is sensitive because it's not their land. So I guess you could call that sensitive in addition to an act of aggression. I mean, you know, it's like strange words right that was a very sensitive war crime it was very <laughs> sensitive like, like what is that? they were very they were empaths as they murdered people <laughs> yeah what is that like what's your personality type yeah what's your moon what's your rising moon what's your rising? oh oh, oh <laughs> just murder sick <laughs> You know what clip has been circulating social media these days? It's a clip of the Chilean president. He stood before the UN on Tuesday and he called on the world to defend Palestinian human rights, saying we should not normalize the permanent human rights violations against the Palestinian people, applying the international law and resolutions that this assembly states year after year. The Palestinian people should yield to their inalienable right to establish their own free and sovereign state in the same way let's recognize israel's legitimate right to live within secure and internationally recognized borders yeah like it started good but then it just like uh, <sighs> took a damn you had me at the first part <laughs> yeah i know it's like it started good and then he just like sort of took an exit highway exit to apartheid <laughs> yeah he took the segregated road <laughs> he took this he got off on the segregated road and, it's uh, wow because I heard another story about President Boric who he canceled the credentials ceremony for an Israeli ambassador last minute after he was updated on one of the many Palestinian teenagers who was murdered by the occupation and the ambassador for the occupation was already at the presidential palace and was told to leave. Yes, absolutely. And in response, Israel's foreign ministry summoned their Chilean ambassador for what it called a quote-unquote reprimand. What yeah, it- they gave him a little spanking. <laughs> they and just, then- they said, hey, 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 you come here, pants down, turn over, okay? We're going to handle a little diplomacy. <laughs> and then they said, quote-unquote, Israel's response will be made clear. I don't know, like, okay. Yeah. Is clear if you look at the buttocks of their <laughs> ambassador. So yeah, you're absolutely right that 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 is you know a, a bit of a you know in diplomacy terms that's you don't see that happening every day despite the fact that Israel is an apartheid state every day and murdering Palestinians. So when we do see that, we like we like to see that. His his quote at the UN though was was not great. I mean it was good, but no. it, it got a little week didn't have to say that last part no it's like every week we get together there's a new article about sharina bakla it's just like I every week there is a yeah new there's a new development that's like no it's deliberate and and there's a new organization there's a new state there's a new body finding that it was deliberate murder and it's like we've been saying it was murder since the second that we knew that it happened yeah, and- I feel like at this point, we're going to get the guy who shot her and he's just going to post a selfie and be like, it was me. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like, yeah, where yeah. is this headed? 
Yes. And exactly. Because this latest investigation that now, you know, has been reported by Electronic Intifada, The Intercept, all sorts of news organizations that are saying, okay, Israel deliberately killed Shireen Abu Akhla. The, it results from them putting together all of this like forensic data in sort of a recreation of the events of that day using technology that allows them to imagine what the soldier would have seen in front of him. And then they concluded that he would have seen very clearly that she was a journalist wearing a press vest and that he would have necessarily had to aim directly at her with that knowledge. Therefore, they've concluded that now it must have been deliberate murder. And I'm like, yeah, we knew that. Here's the thing. Her whole body was covered head to toe in body armor and a press vest. They hit her in the neck like you have to aim for that. This investigation took into account previously unseen Al Jazeera footage, and it was published by the UK based research group Forensic Architecture and the Palestinian Human Rights Organization Al Haq. At the same time, around the same time, uh, Shreen Abakla's family submitted a complaint to the International Criminal Court. So. Attempts are being made to seek justice, but like what an uphill battle. Everybody is saying this is murder and everybody else is just standing around, you know, twiddling their thumbs. It's it's a strange, strange. Blinken said we wait for updates. (laughs) You know what Blinken is? He's just like, um, he's like a, he's like when your browser, your internet browser gets stuck and it's just like loading, loading, loading. He's just like the error 404 page. He's just, he never gets to where he needs to go. He's, you know what Blinken is like? He's like those sandwiches at the airport where it's actually just mayonnaise. (laughs) And you're like, I thought this was an egg salad. There's no egg in here. Like this is just a mayonnaise. And you pay $12. I I can't even call it. it. Like (laughs) it's hard to call it a sandwich because the bread is not even holding up. It's like soggy. It's turn. It's like melted into the mayonnaise so it's yeah it's in between a solid it's become emulsified <laughs> by the yes the electronic intifada has reported that the eu has dropped its call for an independent investigation apparently the eu countries are satisfied with israel's superficial self-investigation this is just brilliant truly brilliant imagine being easily satisfied like that so gross I mean, your life must be like really easy if that's all that it takes, you know? Yeah. You must have no issues ever. Believe everything that everybody tells you. Yeah. Every day is a great day. What's the problem, idiots? (laughs) Why don't you just believe the lies? (laughs) It's true. You know, we wouldn't have to do any of this if we would just believe the lies. You just eat the baby formula. Just gobble, gobble the gook it. (laughs) Stop asking questions. So one last thing on this, an interesting development out of the U.S. is that some Democratic senators, including Chris Van Hollen and Patrick Leahy, are seeking to require the State Department to investigate the matter. And both senators have introduced an amendment along with Senators Dick Durbin, Chris Murphy, Jean Shaheen, and Jeff Merkley, which includes unprecedented language calling on the U.S. to see whether Section 620M of the FAA applies 
to Shireen Abakla's case within 180 days. What this basically means is they're trying to push the U.S. to see whether the the Leahy law would apply to this case. And the Leahy law is something that Noam Chomsky talks about all the time as a way for the U.S. to seek some sort of accountability for Israel's crimes and violations of human rights, but it's never actually come to the forefront like this. They're like, hey, do we have anything on the books that would prevent or stop the murder of a journalist? Anything anything that we got going on? You know, they're, they're just checking the statutes because yeah. they're unsure. Yeah, well, there is something and it is the, the so-called Leahy Law, which prohibits military assistance to foreign security forces that violate human rights. Seems like a clear shoe-in for apartheid Israel, right? So if you are a foreign security force and you violate human rights, you can no longer have U.S. military assistance. That is, assuming that the Leahy Law is actually put into practice. The American government argues that the occupation isn't foreign and the occupation argues that it's not a security force. Correct. <laughs> they're just they're just attacking the word. Like, you know what actually, I mean? They don't we are part of the US. We are not right. we are domestic. We are just a domestic yeah. offshoot. No. But it's interesting because now you have actually Democratic Senator Patrick Leahy who is calling for the application of the Leahy law to this case. He actually came out and said whether her killing was intentional, reckless, or a tragic mistake, there must be accountability. And if it was intentional, and if no one is held accountable, then the Leahy law must be applied. He came out and said that last week. There hasn't been, I haven't seen much reaction to the fact that he's come out and say this. It's like he's being ignored by everybody. But I think it is nevertheless worth mentioning. You have Brad Sherman, who made one of the more unhinged speeches that I've seen in that body recently and he was just like grappling with the fact that some people are calling the occupation an apartheid state and he basically had like a, a little meltdown okay so brad sherman gives this speech and he's like how dare some people make a radical conclusion that israel is an apartheid state and it's like bro even your head is saying from the river to the sea you know what i mean come on oh my god he's <laughs> so Bald. not cute yeah his both of sides of his hair live in an apartheid regime he doesn't understand he's having trouble with you know the what's concept. weird he's got on his website brad sherman named 2021 humane advocate It is awarded to members of Congress who scored 100% on last year's humane scorecard. What does that mean? He's so humane. He created a landing strip on his head. (laughs) He allows allows refugees to land there and evacuate (laughs) war-torn countries that he's voted for the budget on. What is is this humane scorecard? It's so awkward that we have to grade... On their humanity? Yeah. It's like, are you even people? Are you people? Like, yeah, what you is robots? It is like you are doing a really good job resembling what a human would do. This is like all 76% the- human. 70. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 The humane scorecard is basically a score that measures the extent to which 
your representative has taken a pro-animal position. That's where his hair went. He donated all of his hair to animals. So it has nothing to do with humans at all, actually. You're absolutely right. He came out with this, what Mondo Weiss calls a mind-boggling argument against the apartheid label for Israel. He says that Israelis and Palestinians live side by side like the Dutch and the Germans. So to call Israeli rule apartheid is an extreme and ridiculous conclusion. I don't understand if that's that's the best. so crazy because I don't remember the Dutch being locked up. How many checkpoints they got? They murdering German teenagers. I mean, we don't have to sit here and rebut his stupid argument. If you're interested, Mondo Weiss did it in an article. That's why I'm just making fun of his hairline. Yeah, I think that's probably the way to go at this point. Tell me why it looks like Moses parted his hair. So Rashida Tlaib came out and said that progressives must oppose Israeli apartheid. Obviously, this is totally accurate. And she is getting a lot of flack in response to this from the Zionists. The ADL, whose main budget requires them to call people anti-semites a certain amount of times a year yeah they do have a quota probably had some issues with it what did they say well he basically said in one sentence rashida Tlaib simultaneously tells american jews that they need to pass an anti-zionist litmus test to participate in progressive spaces yeah yeah sounds good yeah sounds sounds great hey this fucking hard-boiled egg finally figured out the the plot you know what i mean like he (laughs) finally got it Some other idiot, uh, Representative Jerry Nadler out of New York, tweeted, I fundamentally reject the notion that one cannot support Israel's right to exist as a Jewish and democratic state and be a progressive. I don't know how you are going to figure that out. Like, Well, he's right about one thing. He's a fundamentalist. It's not just... Try to push push yourself a little bit to understand how this is going to work in practice. On the one hand, it's a Jewish state. On the other hand, it has to be democratic because that's what you've just said. But the people on the land are not only Jewish. So explain that. And then you say that you want to believe in those two things, despite the reality showing something very different, and then at the same time be a progressive. What part of that is progressive? I'm trying to figure it out. There is no such thing as progressive apartheid, no matter how many times you say it. We hear you, but what if you shut the fuck up? You know what I mean? What about that? Did you ever ever consider that? (laughs) Yeah, what? (laughs) Her statement was so mild. She she said something that is like basically an Instagram caption. You know what I mean? She said something that would would not even raise eyebrows on Twitter. And because she said it in, you know, her official capacity as a representative of the United States government, the entirety of the Zionist lobby and all its affiliates came for her like fucking buzzards, like straight up death vultures that they are. They they are they've been trying to, you know, they hate her. They really don't like a Palestinian in Absolutely. a position of power. And and 
Just to be clear, all she said at a Palestine Advocacy Day event was, quote, I want you all to know that among progressives, it becomes clear that you cannot claim to hold progressive values and back Israel's apartheid government. So she doesn't even say that you have to oppose Zionism or say that Israel has no right to exist, which you should also do. All she says is you can't support apartheid if you want to be a progressive, which is such like a mild salsa sort of statement we're talking yeah you know you know who else who else said that (laughs) dr angela davis literally like and then the zionists will be like we love angela davis we loved it when she said that actually (laughs) when she said it it was fine but when rashida talib said it i I mean they love her until she starts talking yeah they love they love the idea of her so everybody know well people who follow me in the pod know that i was just in dublin right after the queen died which is unquestionably the best time to be in dublin the vibe was jubilant you know what i mean like it reminded me of the kobe shack years in la where it's just like wow these people are having a moment that said we mentioned that the old bag had never visited the occupation. She traveled to more than 120 countries in her 70 years on the throne and never once went to the occupation. The only official capacity visit from the UK's royal family happened in 2018 when William broke the unofficial boycott. And Charles wrote in a private letter that was dated 1986 that quote the influx of foreign european jews end quote to israel was to blame for the continuing conflict between israel and the arab world and expressed frustration that u.s presidents were unwilling to take on quote the jewish lobby in the united states he wrote quote Surely some U.S. presidents has to have the courage to stand up and take on the Jewish lobby in the U.S., question mark, end quote. Charles wrote in a letter following a visit to the Gulf with Princess Diana. Another quote, I must be naive, I suppose, end quote. And it's like, nah, you know what's going on. And that's why they're about to murk your wife. I I do remember that visit by Prince William. And I remember the Zionists not being happy about it. Yeah, it's never enough for them, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not It's not enough that they do terrible human rights violations all the time, right? It's right. never enough that they're murdering people, they're stealing land. That's never enough. They want you to get involved. Right. They're like, you got to come see us murder a Palestinian child. You will never get the experience yourself if you don't. You know what I mean? Like they're like, you got to come pull the trigger. You got to. It's always because it's like they're trying to bring you into the darkness with them. Right. They're trying to justify their own behavior by having you take part in it as well that's why the whole birthright thing exists they're like you need to come here and colonize actively because we're not doing it enough right sure you need to have the blood on your hands as well right and i think probably what they wanted from him was you know a round of applause congratulations you're doing so great you know 
They wanted yeah. him to pull out all the stops and talk about how great Israel is. And, and he didn't really do that. And so that left them a little, you know, irked. They weren't, they weren't happy with how, how that went, but, um, and then I also remember talking about the King David, like uh, in 1946, there was a terrorist group mm-hmm. who opposed the British occupation. They were trying to get rid of the British soldiers so they could take over the occupation. And they attacked a hotel in Jerusalem where British had their headquarters. 91 people were killed in the bombing. Dozens were injured. And there's a Jewish woman, Shoshana Levy Campos, who was working for the British as a secretary. And she has a, you know, harrowing story about escaping this huge blast, which was like the 9-11 of its time. You know what I mean? Uh, It was their first 9-11. So they had practice by the time the other one came around. Uh, you're, You're going there, Michael. Hey, I mean, why did the FBI pick up Israeli citizens, you know what I mean, for celebrating and interrogate them? I don't know. Well, what they say is it's just a huge mix up. Classic mix up where you celebrate 9-11. You know what I mean? That is so classic. That is actually who among us didn't watch that and also celebrate like. Incidentally, that is what they said. When you have the same reaction to 9-11 as Osama bin Laden, right? (laughs) When you are celebrating (laughs) the towers falling. Very interesting. Um, There was an article in the New York Times on October 8th, 2001 called, and the title was Five Young Israelis Caught in Net of Suspicion. And it, it explains, you know, these Israeli Jews were picked up by the FBI midday, September 11th. They were driving this van across the George Washington bridge. They were laughing. They were, it's in the New York times. And then, you know, they talk about how it was just a classic mix up. And then eventually they were like deported and sent back to Israel. Yeah. Classic mix up where you you get deported because of your activities. (laughs) Classic mix-up that led to the then occupation and destruction of Iraq and Afghanistan, something that the Zionist lobby has taken credit for and claimed as one of their biggest successes. Well, look. Classic mix-up. Classic mix-up. Yeah. Classic Dick Cheney just looks at his bank account and laughs. Classic. In good news. A Palestinian farmer in Gaza has discovered an ornate Byzantine floor mosaic while trying to plant an olive tree on his land in Gaza. Salman Nabahin said that he and his son were digging into the ground when they hit something hard and continued digging until they unearthed this relic. And they later uncovered several more sections of it, which depict colorful animals and birds. I encourage everyone to look up, look up a photo of this mosaic, it's absolutely gorgeous. And experts are saying that it is one of the greatest archaeological treasures ever found in Gaza. It dates back to the Byzantine Empire, which was the eastern half of the Roman Empire and can be traced back to the year 330 AD and survived for more than a thousand years. Mr. Nabahim said that he sees it as a quote, treasure dearer than a treasure. It is a Palestinian legacy. A good day for for Mr. Nabahin and and for Gaza. Zionists are just like more proof that we're indigenous. It's like what? <laughs> you guys even know what that word means anymore? Well, as you know, we've 
mentioned it before, but the but Gaza was uh, in its history at, at once a bustling trade route, really the center sort of crossroads for many different civilizations. And so it's not unusual that they would find this type of history in Gaza, which is amazing because you think about, you know, it survived all of the Israeli assaults on Gaza too. All of the attempts to obliterate Gaza, its people and its land. And just thinking about how absolutely invaluable that land must be and how how invaluable what is underneath that land must be. But of course, Israel has no care for, you know, the land or the history. That's why they they bomb it without, you know, thinking twice. So more UK news, actually. Britain's Israel lobby reacted with fury after a left-wing Jewish activist, Naomi Wimborne Idrisi, was elected to the Labour Party's ruling body. She is a veteran Palestine solidarity activist, and she won a seat on the National Executive Committee, which sets internal rules governing the UK opposition party, including disciplinary matters, the Electronic Intifada reports. She is a leading member of Jewish Voice for Labour, a group that launched in 2017, and it was in order to defend the leader, Jeremy Corbyn, after his false and false and politicized accusations that ended his political career. She said that her victory was, quote, a testament to the widespread support in the party for the kind of politics that JVL has been putting forward. There's a lot of left-wing members still left in the party, Wimborne Idrisi added. They want someone to speak for them on Labour's ruling body. That's exactly what I intend to do. Yeah, anti-Zionist Jews, we're out here. Mm-hmm. Gang, gang, good for her. I want to turn to some news from Occupy Jerusalem. Palestinian schools in Jerusalem are observing a strike over apartheid Israel's efforts to impose specific curriculum and books in their schools. Hundreds of Palestinian schools are on strike in protest of Israel's latest efforts to control their education. In a joint press release, the Unified Parents Committee and the Palestinian National and Islamic Forces in Jerusalem called for a full strike and demanded international institutions step up to protect Palestinian education. Photos of empty classrooms were circulating on social media. Ziad al-Shamali, who is the head of the Parents Committee Union, told Al Jazeera that if Israel's efforts succeed, it will have control over the education of 90% of our students in Jerusalem. There are more than 280 schools in Jerusalem for Palestinians and around 115,000 students from K to grade 12 and approximately 90 to 95% of schools were observing a strike, which is basically everybody. (laughs) It's basically everybody who got the memo that there was a strike. And why, you know, who's not observing the strike, the Amish. (laughs) So why is this important? This is a classic move by all colonial powers that they do when they try to control the narrative as a means of exerting power and influence over the people that they are colonizing. And Israel is literally just following the guidebook for how to be a colonial power. They're not inventing anything new here. And they really shouldn't be so offended when you tell them that they are colonial power because all they're doing is everything that every other colonial power before them has already done. And that is control what 
the people you are colonizing believe, what the next generations learn about the past, and essentially rewrite history so that with the more generations, you will just see more docile, less active, less resistance from those communities, and you will have, as a colonizer, an easier time at colonizing and imposing your version of reality. Yeah. Hey, 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 just believe the lies. Yeah. That's the name of this episode. <laughs> yeah. So the story of Hafez Horeini, who was beaten by Israeli settlers, they broke both of his arms, and then the army shows up and arrests him. Okay. While he was working on his land, a group of Israeli illegal settlers armed with sticks, metal pipes, and M16s attacked Hafez Horeini and his son, Muhammad. Hafez was badly injured and both of his arms were broken. When a Palestinian ambulance arrived to evacuate him, the settlers slashed the tires, but the Israeli soldiers arrested Horeini, claiming he had hurt one of the settlers. Yeah, I guess like when the settler broke Horeini's arm with a lead pipe, like it really hurt his wrist because like he got hit so hard that like the reverberation, it sent a shockwave through these strong prickly people. It's really quite insane because Hafiz Horeini is a well-known Palestinian farmer, human rights defender from a Tuwani village in Masafariyata in, in Hebron. He is, like many other Palestinians, in this very, very difficult position of having to not only be a farmer, which is a very difficult, physically demanding type of work, but to carry out that work on a daily basis. When you know that every day you go to work, you could be attacked by a settler with a lead pipe. So it's like, how do you prepare yourself for that reality every single day? And not only that, but then there's no one to call for help because you're probably just going to be arrested because the entity with all the power supports the guy with the lead pipe. It's like, yeah, I don't think people realize how difficult farming is by itself, right? right. Like just farming just is very farming. difficult. Just the farming. That's exactly. Even if you're farming in like the best of conditions, <laughs> it's still very difficult. It's a hard <laughs> thing to do. It's so hard. It's Meanwhile, like my boy goes to work every day on expert mode. You know what I mean? Because he's got to deal with genocidal maniacs who have zero consequences for any of their actions. There's no body regulating these fucking psychos. And so he's just got to like continue farming, which is tough to begin with, under duress, under occupation. Yeah, I don't think anybody talks about how difficult the farming is. But here we are. He's an elderly man. He is, you know, he's been doing this for years. He's carrying out the, the same profession that his father had, that his grandfather had. He's on his land. And he had to appear before an Israeli military court last week on this false pretense of attempted murder he was the person he, they attempted to murder right and so and so it was you got to like, show up and defend yourself in court in those instances right? right because classic you're the victim now you're also being prosecuted it's like a reverse what is that like the reverse card in uno it's like oh you tried to kill me and i get charged with murder 
it's like the opposite of double jeopardy where it's like, (laughs) (laughs) right. You didn't even do the thing and you're on trial. They did the thing to you. And so you're on trial for, for being found. Like they found you. Well, if you just weren't found the worst Ashley Judd remix, (laughs) (laughs) God, they broke both of his arms, Michael. I mean, yeah. And by the way, arms are important when you're farming. Exactly. Like, Exactly. And that was very intentional. What? That is to take away his livelihood. So so as to just completely delete him from this entire situation and to make it easier for them to steal his land. Yeah. Hey, you think the people who beat the shit out of him could farm? You know what I mean? You think you think that they're able to to maintain and grow life like that? Or do they just know destruction? Because like what that man does is create life. and maintain life and provide for people in his community, in his family. He is a staple of the community. And those demons who disrupt that process, who target him, who try to attack the system of sustenance in Palestine by like fucking up farmers. I wonder, I wonder what, like, (laughs) I wonder what they could do with a hoe. You know what I mean? I wonder what they could do with a plot of land, even if they stole it. They probably couldn't keep the shit alive. Probably just murder. Yeah. They murder the plants too. Yeah. Well, they do. I mean, that's that's the whole thing, right? They they uproot the olive trees. They don't have any regard for the environment either. I mean, that's that's actually how they celebrate Tubishvat is uh lighting olive trees on fire. Hashem said they weren't meant to be burned, I wouldn't have made them flammable. There's this big report that came out yesterday. September 22nd, a report commissioned by Facebook slash Meta has concluded that the company has violated Palestinian human rights via its censorship of Palestinian content, which I think is interesting because they commissioned the report. So you think they would have at least been like, hey, this is what the report's going to say. We did a great job. But no, the report actually says that company censorship has violated Palestinian human rights. The report says that Facebook and Instagram showed bias against Palestinians during the brutal Israeli assault on Gaza last May. I mean, we know that, but like, thanks for admitting that. We were censored. (laughs) Yeah, it was us. (laughs) (laughs) The call is coming from inside the Zoom. So the report was commissioned by Meta and it was conducted by the Independent Consultancy Business for Social Responsibility or BSR. They really put the BS in BSR. (laughs) According to BSR's report, Meta deleted Arabic content relating to the violence at a far greater rate than Hebrew language posts, confirming long running complaints of disparate speech enforcement with respect to Palestine. Now, this is interesting because remember when you had all those Zionists be like, they're deleting our posts too. Well, Actually, they're not. Disparity, the report found, was perpetuated among posts reviewed by both human employees and automated software. So they've integrated the bias into the algorithms. The algorithm is a Zionist. 100%. It's programmed by Zionists, so it is a Zionist. The data reviewed indicated that Arabic content had greater over-enforcement, i.e. erroneously removing Palestinian voices on a per-user basis. None of my content is in, is in Arabic, but it was still doing that. They still got you. <laughs> yeah. They were like, oh, let's see what Gazan girl has to say today. 
In response to the report, Meta has vaguely committed to implementing or considering to implement, remember this kind of language, considering to implement, aspects of the recommendations. The one recommendation which they have clearly said that they are not going to consider is a call to fund public research into the optimal relationship between legally required counterterrorism obligations and the policies and practices of social media platforms. Basically, because they say they do not wish to provide legal guidance for other companies. They're like, we are the terrorists. We don't (laughs) want anybody to look into it. Shut up and believe the lies. Believe the lies. Folks, that has been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Go ahead and check out our full episodes and sources at www.palestinepod.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Send us an email if you think that we want to hear from you at palestinepod at gmail.com. And check us out on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. That has been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day.